Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Church, a place of grace. Sit back, relax, and listen in. morning everybody well let's pray lord god we thank you for this morning lord we thank you for your holy spirit we ask that you would saturate us this morning god give us a heart of worship lord jesus as we celebrate you as we listen to you father we ask oh god that every word i ask that every word that comes out of my mouth will be from you lord jesus uh, not of my own desire lord but of what you want to share today Lord god i pray that you make our hearts open uh, give us a willing heart to receive what you're doing, what you're saying, and make us effective, oh God, for your kingdom. Uh, here locally in Hackensack and our, other, our neighborhoods, whether it be Union County, whether it be Essex County, Lord God, whether it be uh, other parts of New Jersey or the, the state, tri-state area, Lord, that you would be in our midst today and make us effective where we are, where we can in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so... Like pensive happened to me the last number of times is, you know, I'm like, okay, Lord, what are you talking about? What's going on here? You know, my mind is, is everywhere, and then it seems to come together uh, towards the end. I guess God I like to, you know, make you worry. He likes to make you a little worry more. He's trying to fix it all himself, and then he starts to, as you still, he starts to talk to you. So today we're going to talk about minding your mission. Minding your mission. It's important for us to mind our mission. There's a lot going on around us, and that we can get caught up in that's none of our business. But there's some things that are our business, and God wants us to pay attention to that. So minding your mission. Let's start off with a scripture this morning. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read verse 12 through 21 together. That's 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 21. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Verse 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So is it with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we are shared, and we all share the same spirit. Yes. The one body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? And if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has called each part, and, each God, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange the body would be 
if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I do not need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Then we'll go down to verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you are part of it. Amen? Amen. Minding your, minding your mission. Well, there's this book called The Ten Faces of Innovation. And the author's name is Littman, Jim Littman. And in it, he talks about organizations that do have the most innovative and effective change, make the most innovative impact in the world around them. And those organizations that are rich with innovation. In the book, he talks about how he gives them that he talks about something called a network, innovative networks. Those are people creating value through implementing new ideas. He says that people make it happen through their imagination, willpower, and perseverance. And that your only real ability to do anything innovative is through people. Because you can't do it alone. And in the book, Jonathan Lippmann identifies ten different percept, ten different uh, people or types of people in innovation. He talks about the anthropologist. That's the person that does the research, someone who is driven towards being the researcher and finding out new information to make things happen. The experimenter. The experimenter is somebody who likes to play with different things, different ideas to see what works. They love to doodle with things, with different objects. They like to create ideas. Then it's the cross-pollinator. The cross-pollinator is someone who likes to be in one area, right? They may have, maybe they work in sanitation. And they were a team leader for a, a group of um, sanitation workers, right? And geographically assigning them to different places. But a cross-pollinator has the ability to take his work or, his, or her skill from that industry and transfer it to another organization where maybe their job is to create teams of people who maybe they're not assigned to different geographic areas around the city, but their job is to, re to assign to different aspects of the company based on their knowledge and expertise. Then he talked about the hurdler, someone who, who has a gift, a knack for overcoming challenging situations. That's just what they do. So there's, they're, they're part of the, the ten faces of innovation that he talks about in the book. So just like there's those ten faces of innovation we just read in, in 1 Corinthians that we all are part of the body of Christ. Their eyes, their noses, their ears, but none of us are the same. We each have a role in the mission. Everyone has, everyone has a different role. And the other part of this, of the idea of the 10 phases of innovation is that, you know, you don't stay in that one role all the time. Sometimes we get caught up in wanting to stick in one position or be effective in one way because we say, oh, that's me. That's the way I'm built. 
That's how I'm designed. That's how it works for me. But effective organizations, effective people, know when to change roles. And he often talks about that people never are the same. So I'm not always the hurdler, the person who knows how to, has a knack for overcoming great challenges. Sometimes I'm an anthropologist. Sometimes I'm focused on researching things to find out what works best to get the job done. Sometimes you might be the experimenter. Where you might be at a certain point, you might be at the same place, but at that point in time, your job is to help identify, be creative with seeing what works. Maybe the best way to reach out to people is a one-on-one interaction. Maybe other times, the best way to get a hold of people is in a group. Maybe you need to start a group. So the experimenter looks for the best way to get the job done. He talked about when this ability to switch roles actually makes you more effective because you have access to more ideas. And so one thing that we should grapple with is that we have flexibility. We need to remain flexible. We're not always going to be the same everywhere. So while the mission might stay the same, your role may not stay the same. So you do have the internal capacity to be a part of an organization or body of people, but take on a different role. That's what makes great innovators. That's what makes great organizations. That's what makes us a great body as a church. Our ability to take on a new role and function in that role, not get stuck. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you an example of a body of people and it seems like every time, you know, often when I come up to speak, I'm always back in Nehemiah. And so it's always, always agitating me, I guess. This is the season of life I'm in or we're in or whatever it might be. But turn your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 3. I'm going to give you an example of people who, while they had natural gifts in other areas or skills in, in one area, they were flexible. In the book of Nehemiah, now, just to give you a history of it, and some of you are familiar with it, you know that uh, Nehemiah was passionate about building, rebuilding the wall in, for the people in Jerusalem. Rebuilding Jerusalem, rebuilding that wall to protect his people. He was called there. He was passionate about being there. So, long story short, he's released to go there and actually build up that community. And when he gets there, he is a, starts to assign different people. In verse 3 of Nehemiah chapter 3, mm, what's a better verse? Ah, verse 8. Verse 8, it says, a guy named Uzel, a goldsmith by trade, he worked the wall. Another man, in verse 8, Hananiah, he was a perfume specialist. But as a perfume specialist, he was assigned to building an area of the wall. Another man in, that, in verse 8, Rephiah, he was leader of half the district in Jerusalem. But he was next to all of those men rebuilding the wall. There you go. Three people who had three different titles, right? 
three different areas of expertise, but they all had the same mission, which was to rebuild the wall. So they didn't allow their natural design or their skill to get in the way of the mission. They all knew what to value most. Their mission was rebuilding the wall. Their mission at the time wasn't creating great perfumes. The mission at the time wasn't, you know, being the organizational expert from that area of the city. The mission at that time wasn't being a goldsmith and making great jewelry with gold. The mission was refining the wall. Building the wall. There has to be flexibility in our approach. If we lack the flexibility in our approach, we also are at the risk of thwarting the mission, not being effective in the mission. You have to know your role. You have to know your role. Great innovative thinkers know their role. They know what they're supposed to be doing at that particular point in time. Now, I can give you a personal story. This past month has been a very interesting month for me uh, because, you know, for, for years, those of you who, who know me, we talked about, and I've already shared this with a number of you, you know, I've really felt called to be in Newark. I felt like God was really pushing me to go to Newark, and I'd be taking that, that uh, bridge uh, to New York all the time to go to work. And just for some reason, every time I hit the bridge, I'll see the Lord say, you know, I'm supposed to go the opposite direction. I'm supposed to go the opposite direction. And I'm like, okay, Lord, then why am I still going this way? I'm still going to that sign that says the Bronx, Riverdale. So what does that mean? And so, you know, God finally honored that, and he made it a reality. And so this past year, I worked as a principal in Newark uh, in, for a new school under a special grant uh, that was created uh, to improve schools and learning for students. And, you know, my idea, in my head, I thought, hey, I was going to be there for a while. You know, this is at least two years. I knew, I knew because of the design of the work, I, I didn't want to kill myself. So I said at least two years, you know, I'd be there. Um, but that all came to a stunning halt on the 15th of July when I was invited to the office of my boss who said, good luck and good night. <laughs> and I could have taken that experience in a whole other direction and felt crushed by it. But something in me was very comfortable. I had spoken to my wife about it the night before because I got a heads up by someone that this might happen. So we talked about it. And I remember when I got the heads up about it, I slept very well that night. Like I had not slept in a very long time. It was very weird. And, and then I woke up. And when I woke up for the, the next morning, the day of that the meeting, I, had, I was very calm. I didn't have the laundry list of things to do in my head you know, like I usually did. I felt there was a, a lack of anxiety. Right, you're right. Want a lack of anxiety, but usually you wake up with, oh, I gotta get this done. Oh my gosh, and you know, my head is all over the place, making sure you know I'm getting to where I need to get to on time. But at that meeting, all I could say was, okay, well, thank you. This is an organization. This is the way we are in the district right now. You know, it happens. This is the decision now. And had I been dominated and so absorbed in that role. And so, you know, so convinced in my own heart that this was the only way, I wouldn't be open. I probably wouldn't have responded it the way I did. Maybe I could have went postal like some other people did. <laughs> you know? 
Because some people will go postal because that's all that they know. They're so bent on operating in this one way. They only see this one solution to a problem that once it, when it collapses under them, they lose it. But part of being a dynamic Christian and being an effective Christian is understanding that God's design is to plug you in into specific experiences to get the maximum benefit. Do you recognize that the wall of Jerusalem was built in 52 days? Because people of different capacities came together for a single mission to build the wall of a city. I'm talking about a city. You go on a map and look at the Jerusalem. You look at the, the parameter that they had. 52 days they rebuilt the wall. Because they remained flexible. If the goldsmith was only determined to be a goldsmith, he would have not have been a part of the process. If the perfume manufacturer was only determined to be a perfume manufacturer, nah, that ain't me. I don't, I don't build no walls. I don't, I don't build no walls. That's not. I make perfume. Smell good. The walls don't smell good. Last time I checked, I don't put a little perfume on the wall, and you know, the wall don't go nowhere. But that, that perfume person, that perfume manufacturer was flexible. It's so important for us to be flexible in what God is doing in our life. It does not mean that you walk out of your design. Because if, if, you're, if you're attracted to something else that's out of the norm for you, God is doing that. Move with that. Be obedient to that. A lot of us in this room can attest to the fact that we're doing things that we don't have degrees for. They're out of our field, right? Out of what we study. Doesn't make it doesn't make you less called to what God is, is having you to do. Remain flexible to it. Innovation requires fresh ideas, more progress, increased progress requires that you remain open to a new experience. There's a there's a, a movie called we talked about this yesterday too. It's a movie called The Adjustment Bureau. Okay. So in this movie, there's a character, a black guy. Cameron gives the movie away. But he is an adjuster. So the adjustment bureau is about these group of men who are designed apparently, or, or people I'll say, whose job is to make sure everything in life goes according to plan. That you follow this predetermined route to live the life you're supposed to live. Well, so the adjusters are not supposed to deviate from the plan. They're given this plan by the man upstairs. They never really give him a name, but you know, we know who he is. And so their job is to make sure everybody else follows that predestined plan for them. Well, the adjuster, one of the adjusters, experienced an adjustment himself. Because in the process, he became convinced that the man who he was appointed to make sure he followed this well-laid-out plan. Along the way, he was convinced that maybe he should deviate from it. Maybe we shouldn't be trying to track him. So what he ended up doing is helping him. I will say enough. I won't say any more of that. But the point is, sometimes you have to be willing to be adjusted. 
sometimes you might be assigned to adjust something and think, oh, that's, this is my job. I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be here fixing this. Well, maybe there's a halt. Maybe there's a change in your process. And you need an adjustment. And his ability to adjust himself as an adjuster, right, allowed that other person to get what he wanted and to get where he needed to go. Sometimes we think we know best because we stick into one particular mold and that becomes our life and it becomes our only way of thinking and people can suffer. Had he determined to say, no, I'm going to push to make sure he follows this pre-described road, the man might not have found the happiness that he wanted, which he did find. So even us as adjusters, maybe you are a trained adjuster in something. Maybe it's in your family, uh, maybe it's amongst your friends, maybe it's in your business. Maybe you have to be adjusted as well. Be open to being adjusted. Sometimes your method is going to shift. You may not be used to doing certain things a certain way. But the reason why we experience this shift in our movement is to build capacity. God wants to build our capacity and our skills. Not necessarily to be at a place for a long time to say that we're there. Okay, so what? I'm not, I'm not in the position I was two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, but maybe God had me there just to increase my flexibility. Maybe he had me there just to build specific relationships. Maybe he had me there just to impact a one group of people for whom I may never know the result of what was done. Or I might not see it till 20 years down the line. I may not see it till maybe I'm near my deathbed. And God shows me and brings that person back to you. You never know. So when God begins to adjust, when he starts to manage that adjustment bureau <laughs> that you're living, when he begins to readjust your life, pay attention to that. Receive that. Be open to it. Let's take a look at Nehemiah 4, 11 to 18. We're still talking about minding your mission. It's important to be mission-driven but be flexible about your role in the mission. Nehemiah 4.18. Excuse me, 11. So it says, they got to the point where they were building a wall. I'll tell you about this story. They were rebuilding this wall. So you know... People were antagonizing them, saying it wasn't going to happen. So here we are, verse 11. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they knew what was happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy camp, um, the Jews who lived near the enemy camp and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families, armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then, as I looked out, looked over the situation, 
I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who was great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we knew their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half of the men worked, while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah, who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All of the builders had a sword belted to their side. I'm going to stop there. Sometimes you have a mission, you may have a responsibility, maybe you're in charge of hospitality, but maybe God wants to change up a little bit of how you are hospitable. Maybe he wants to change up the methodology. Maybe the approach we've been using is not the most effective approach, and he wants to put one hand in one area while you still do the role that you were assigned part of building capacity, right, is becoming open to another way of managing your hands, managing your area of giftedness. There's a stretching. I'm a perfume manufacturer. What am I doing holding a knife? Why do I have to, why do I have to guard, have a knife and work on a wall? And I'm a perfume man. That's out of my, that's out of my purview. I was, I wasn't, that's not what I went to school for. I didn't go to perfume camp to build a wall. I didn't go to perfume school to build a wall. And now you want me to be a, a warrior, be fighting as well. So God has this wonderful knack of making us uncomfortable, putting us in non-traditional roles to accomplish missions that are much bigger than what we could do on our own. Sometimes the design, the, the, the plans that we lay, you know, the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, right? So the steps, the steps are ordered by the Lord. So God gives a blueprint of where he wants us to go, and it's important that we be flexible with that so we can get the job done. So I think like the challenge today is you minding your mission means that there was one singular focus with the people of Israel that Nehemiah was leading. They were to rebuild that wall. But their method and their roles shifted. And the greatest success we can have as a church is to watch and allow God to shift our roles. It means shifting your location. He may shift your location. Some of us here experience a shift in our location. We're shifting at our job. Maybe we're handling more than what we expected. But maybe it's more about the people he wants you to interact with based on the roles he's given you. Maybe he's giving you additional stuff to do because there are additional people he wants you to reach. And maybe your initial desire was to start your own business this year, but maybe it shifted you to go back into an industry you knew before because there are still people who are left untouched. The word of God is a weapon. So if you imagine at one hand, you're on the plow, working on that, you know, the human skill, building a wall or doing your business. 
but the other hand is the word of God, right? And all the tools that God has given you to be effective in your witness to the world. Imagine seeing the, the weapon that way that's described in the book of Nehemiah. You have at your disposal the greatest weapon of all to be effective in the mission God's assigned you to. Don't be intimidated by the challenge. When you stand together, when we're able to stand together at the same mission, for the same mission, and we know that God is leading us, we can accomplish great things. But it's all about the attitude. Those Israelites were able to build that wall in 52 days. You know, they say attitude predicts altitude. Attitude matters. How you see where you are impacts how far you're able to go and how much you're willing to get done. So minding your mission. It's simple. I don't have much else to talk about other than having you know, a strong sense that for us, even as we go to our city serve, and you know, we've been, you know, we have our, our capacities, our skills that we have, um, things that we do well, um, but there might be time of stretching for some of us too to get involved in things that we are not necessarily comfortable with and giving in ways we don't, weren't trained for. And that's going to be happening not just in city server, but that's happening, it's going to happen more in our personal lives. But be connected with God. Be flexible with what he's doing with you. Because even if it looks strange, he's not going to ask you to do anything you weren't built to do or have the capacity to do. You're not cutting off your passion. You were created by God, right? To do good works. He already preordained. So he knows you. He knows your gifting and he knows what he wants you to accomplish. So stay committed to the mission. Be willing to transition to other things within the mission that will make you greater and more powerful. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence with us, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your mission, O oh God. Even those of us, O oh God, who are in the room who are, who are trying to discern more of what you have us to do, Lord, we pray, O oh God, even now that, oh God, you would touch our hearts, O oh God, to be sensitive to your mission, to our roles in the mission, to the shifting you're doing in our personal life, Lord God. Maybe it's with relationships. Maybe there's some relationships with family members and friends that are shifting um, that, you know, seem very uncomfortable. Uh, and maybe you're doing that because there are other things you want to expose us to. There are other things you want to change in us, oh God. Release us, oh God. We, we let go of trying to control every outcome. And instead, God, we give our gifts and our talents to you, Lord Jesus. Those things that we know we have and those things that we want to discover. We give them to you now, Lord, so that we become the dynamic, mission-minded people you called us to be, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, that you're expanding our capabilities, that in expanding our capabilities, you're also increasing our territory, 
You're also increasing the swiftness that in our ability to get the work done, to get your mission done, whether it's a mission that's directly tied to a church or whether it's a personal mission you put in our hearts in the world, in our area of influence, whether it's the arts, God, whether it's finance or whether it's education, whether it's human services, Lord God, whatever it might be, Lord, that we would see your hand in the shifting, in the reorganizing, Lord God, of our time and of our energy. And Lord, we pray, Lord, for those right now in this room, oh God, who clearly, who have a distinct passion, Father, to get a hold of your mission for their lives, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would, Lord, give them the ability, Lord God, give them the capacity to do the great things you call them to do, Lord. We pray for humility, God, to receive your redirection and to pick up the tools and the weapons, Lord God, you've called us to pick up. Lord God, to serve you and to be effective in that area where you're you're driving us to, Lord God. Thank you for innovation, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for a swift ability to to pick up new ideas quickly, to pick up new practices, to get acclimated to new environments very quickly. Areas where we were formally resistant. Areas where we were formally uh, refusing to become a part of, Lord God, because just out of fear. Not because, Lord God, it wasn't interesting. Not because, Lord God, we couldn't do it, but because it was fear that was bounding us, Lord God. We break fear in the name of Jesus right now, God. That you have no, no power over us in the name of Jesus. That what might be written as what we cannot do, O God, on paper, Lord God, that you and our hearts, O God, will convert our hearts, Lord Jesus, to be more than a conqueror through Christ, O God. To take the heart of Scripture that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord God, we remove our hands from the cap of our lives, Lord Jesus. We put caps on our own potential. We put caps on our own ability because of our perception, O oh God. We need our perceptions revolutionized, O oh God. We need our worldview changed. We need our perception of what matters to be shifted so that we are changing the world, Lord Jesus. The countless people, the generations of people who live beyond Nehemiah, who live today because of Nehemiah's stepping out of a comfort role to be servant to a king, where things were plush, to step out and rebuild a wall, a volatile city, where he himself could have died. While his mission to serve was the same, his capacity changed. And look at all of the lives that were changed as a result. And all of the people that were protected. There are people he never knew, he'll never know, were guarded and protected and able to live another year, another decade, and produce generations of great people because of his obedience. Help us to be the same, Lord God. Help us to be the same, Lord Jesus. And to recognize it's not about us, but that you use us as willing vessels to do great things. And there's nothing greater than serving you. So we surrender to this idea, God, to the truth. There's nothing greater than serving you. And help us, oh God, where we're not convinced of that. Show us how that applies to our, to our lives and to our work and to our passion. And you reroute us, oh God, according to your purpose. And give us proof. We pray that you give evidence of your work and your presence and the shifting. 
that you do in our lives. In Jesus' name.